you can be seated. Thank you. Thanks, you guys. I was... And Josh, thanks. Isn't it great to see Joshy again? So the... Um, this morning we're going to be, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 23. It's going to be a while before we get there, but I'm just giving you a fair time to look it up. So Luke chapter 23, the gospel of Luke chapter 23. But um, I just want to say uh, thank you to our deacons. Yesterday they uh, conducted a blood drive with the American Red Cross here, and uh, they did a great job yesterday. It went great yesterday. And so thank you, um, men and women, and our deacons for hosting that. You know, uh, you know the old saying goes, uh, they don't care how much you know till they know how much you care, right? Yeah. And boy, is that statement ever true when it comes to delivering the good news about Jesus, right? The, the truth is our service to our community is what provides the skids on which the message of Jesus can go to our community, right? And so it's that, it's that service, and it's stuff like that yesterday, hosting a blood drive, uh, feeding hungry and caring. For, I mean, it's, you know, all the different things that we do, uh, each one of them really, it sets the platform upon which we can give the good news about Jesus. So thank you. Look forward to seeing what else happens in the coming days. Um, and that actually sets up the message this morning. You know, we've been in this series called Allure for the last while now. And really the point of the series is this. It's about evangelism. I don't know if you've caught that or not, but that's really what it's about. And um, if you've been around the church at all for any length of time, you have probably discovered that there's two different extremes when it comes to evangelism. On one side, you have people that just preach it, preach it, preach it, and they arm themselves with Bible verses, and we're just going to, you know, uh, kind of convince people to believe in Jesus. And then there's the other extreme over here that they, uh, they follow, Saint, they love St. Francis of Assisi, who said, I'm always preaching and when necessary use words. You know, they, they love to say, well, I just live my life and my life is all I need to do. I just live it. Both of those extremes are wrong. I'll just be blunt. They're wrong. The truth is, my friend, we re- it, both are required. It's not either or. It's both and. The, the gospel, there are things that need to be said. Romans says, how will they understand unless someone tells them? There has to be a speaking of God's word. But that also has to be backed up by our lives. So it's not either or, it's both and. And we want to be cautioned against, you know, leaning too heavy on either side. And that's really the thrust of this whole message series on Allure, because we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, is the character of Jesus. It's what He's like. The Galatians tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's who Jesus is. 
And Jesus has only one plan. His, his one plan is to infuse you and me so much with himself that you live as him. We live as him in this world. And the whole idea is you're the advertisement for the kingdom of God. That the world looks at you and goes, man, I'd like some of that. Where do I get that? And we point them to Jesus. He's where we get it, right? That's Jesus' whole plan. And so that's what this whole series has really been about, allure, about, about attracting other people to Jesus with these wonderful fruit, these qualities of Jesus. And, you know, you are a natural evangelist. You don't have to be taught how to evangelize. You know, the word, uh, um, if you experience something good, you tell people about it. If you uh, watch a great movie, what do you do the next day at work? Oh, man, I saw this great movie last night. It was fantastic. If you go to a restaurant, a new restaurant that has something really great, you tell people about it. If you happen to find a great deal at a store, you tell people about that great deal at the store, right? In that moment, you have become an evangelist for Kohl's or whatever the store is, right? The word evangelist just simply means messenger of good news, the root of evangelist is the word angel. And the word angel simply means messenger. So an evangelist is someone who's a messenger of good news. And you, it's, it's hardwired into your DNA to share good news. So that's what this whole series has been about. The idea is you and I become so infused with the character of Jesus that we leak and that the world goes, I really want a piece of that. And so Jesus is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. We're going to look at that today. Faithfulness and self-control. Gentleness. The fruit of gentleness. Boy, do we need gentleness in our day. Gentle people, sign up. We need you. Gentleness is a hallmark quality of the kingdom of God. It's completely, you're not going to find it anywhere else other than in the kingdom of God. Because, well, gentleness, let me just do it this way. You know, there's the kingdom of the world that you and I, born into, grown up in, operate in every day. And then the moment I came to Christ, I was introduced to the kingdom of God. I stepped into this other kingdom, right? And these two kingdoms operate very differently from one another. The kingdom of the world operates in a completely opposite way from the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of world of the world, look at if you can win, win. Is that not true? That's how our world operates, right? And whatever you have to help you to win, use it. Whatever card you have to play, use it. Whatever, if you've got the money, use it. If you've got the power, use it. If you've got the position, use it. If you've got the talent, the intellect, whatever it is, use it. Use whatever card you have to win. That's the way that the world operates, true? I'm not speaking against it. I'm just saying that's how it works, true? The kingdom of God operates completely differently. In the kingdom of God, it's like 
The least is the greatest. Isn't that what Jesus said? The one who serves is the one who's on top in the kingdom of God. It's totally different. In the kingdom of God, uh, you, you come in low. You don't come in dominant. And Jesus, of course, is the best example of the kingdom of God and how to live it, right? So gentleness is something that you only find in the kingdom of God. And I think you'll see as we go forward, you'll discover why. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. It takes a big person to be gentle. Small people, insecure people, are not gentle. You cannot be insecure and gentle. They don't go together. You'll see what I mean as we go forward. Philippians chapter 4, verse 5 says this, Let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. Let your gentleness be evident to all. You mean even to the person who's rude to me? Yes. Even to the person who cusses me out? Mm-hmm. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Even to the person that, that wants to take advantage of me and use me, let your gentleness be evident to all. That's a tough sell, isn't it? But gentleness has great power. So Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1, it says, A gentle answer turns away wrath. Have you ever seen that practiced? Somebody comes into a situation, lathered up, hot, mad, angry, ready for a fight. And their response that they get is a gentle response. And what happens? You diffuse the anger. But if they find, if they're responded, if anger is responded to with anger, what happens? (laughs) It's not pretty, is it? Right? So, Scripture says a gentle answer turns away wrath. It's amazing the power of gentleness to change an otherwise ugly situation. Proverbs chapter 25 says that gentleness breaks the bone. What's the, you got to skip ahead. I I don't have this one memorized. Proverbs 25. But anyway, it says gentleness breaks the bone. Next one. There we go. Through patience a ruler can be persuaded in a gentle tongue. Breaks the bone. The context is this. Someone who's stubborn. Someone who's made up their mind. They're firmly set. They're obstinate. They're, you know, they're, they're not changing no matter no how. And you can fight that person. How does that work when you fight that person? It doesn't go too well, does it? Gentleness, it says, breaks the bone. That obstinate person... That stiff-necked, made-up-their-mind person comes into it made up. They encounter gentleness. It diffuses the situation. Gentleness is extremely powerful. What is it? Let me just define it for us. Gentleness defined is this. It's the deliberate choice to rein in my force in order to give room for your free will. It's the deliberate choice that I make to rein in my force in order to make room for the free will of someone else. In the ancient times, the word gentleness was also used to describe a horse that had been broken. 
you know, you have a wild horse and you've got to break it and then you can put a bridle in its mouth and you can steer the horse and, you know, use the horse. The horse submits to the rider. And it's this incredible image, right? Here's this really powerful animal who could do whatever it wanted to do to the rider and yet it submits to the rider. It's been broken. Its power has been bridled. That's why I don't ride horses. My wife says that I'm afraid of horses. I'm not afraid of horses. I just don't ride them. That's all. And I don't ride them because the few times that I have has not been a fun experience. Because the whole time I'm thinking, all this guy has to do is decide he doesn't want me on his back. And I'm toast. And I'm not doing it. I'm not going... I would rather have a motorcycle. That, that works. I can control that. But a horse, <laughs> right? What if that horse decides to exercise its free will? I'm toast. Therefore, I don't ride a horse. That's just how it works. But you get the picture? That's gentleness. Gentleness says, I could crush you, but I'm choosing not to. That's why I say it takes a secure person to be gentle. An insecure person lacks the ability to rein in their force. An insecure person has to prove their point. An insecure person has to, has to have their way. An insecure person has to be sure that they've won the argument, that they've won whatever it is. That's insecurity. It takes great security and strength to be gentle, right? Do you see why we need more gentle people in this day? We live in a world where if you're at a certain level on the organizational chart, you make sure that you win, right? We live in a world where you're taught to win at any cost. If you've got the money, then you can win it. If you've got the intellect, you can win it. If you have the strength, you can win it. If you have the position, you can win it. And therefore, you must win it. Play whatever card you have to play in order to dominate. And we live in a world where we can't even go to a political rally anymore without punching each other because we, we, we've lost the ability to actually disagree, to have a conversation, an opposing conversation, without it, without it getting out of control. That's why I believe this message is so timely. Enter God's people with the fruit of gentleness. Right? It's amazing. You, my friend, hold the key to, uh, to winning this world with your gentleness. So gentleness, Jesus is the perfect example of gentleness. Let me stop, stop yapping and we just look to the master. So that's where Luke chapter 23 comes in. I want to, you could probably find numerous, I'm sure you can, numerous examples from Jesus' life of Jesus exercising gentleness, but this is the one that really stood out to me. In Luke chapter 23, I'll just read verses 8 to 12, and then we'll talk about it for a second, but it says this, when Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased, because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about Jesus, Herod hoped to see him perform a sign of some sort. He plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. 
the chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there, vehemently accusing him. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him, dressing him in an elegant robe. They sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies. So here's Jesus. This is Thursday night. And Friday morning is Good Friday, the morning that Jesus is to be crucified, right? So this is Thursday night. And into the wee hours of the morning that night, Jesus got sent back and forth to six different trials. They were Mickey Mouse trials. They weren't real trials, but he gets tossed around to these guys that all think they're really important, right? And one of those trials, Jesus stood in front of King Herod, and that's what we read. And here's King Herod, who thought that, of course, he's the king. This is a vile man. I don't even want to go into describing what his life was like. And Herod hears, you know, he's heard about Jesus. Jesus is popular, right? Jesus is this preacher from Galilee who's done miracles and draws these crowds. So Herod had heard about Jesus, and we're told that Herod was kind of curious. He thought this would be a great opportunity to get to meet this Jesus guy and maybe even see Jesus do a magic trick or two. Herod, so Herod has Jesus in a vulnerable position, so he feels true. Imagine Jesus. He's been dragged there by soldiers. He, no doubt he's chained. He's already been beat a time or two. I mean, he's, he's in rough shape. He's vulnerable. And here's King Herod. He's got Jesus right here, right? He's got him right in his hand. Here's his opportunity. And we're told he plies Jesus. Do you know what it would mean to ply you know, pliers to ply. It means you're poking, prodding, you're pushing. He's looking for the buttons, right? He's trying to push a button and get Jesus to react. He's doing it. And Jesus stands silent. And then when King Herod's pushing doesn't work, we're told that the chief priests and the, the other leaders, the religious leaders that were there, they began to vehemently, I love the adjectives, vehemently accused Jesus. I mean, that mean, that's no light accusation. These guys are making up as much inflammatory stuff as they can possibly think of against Jesus, coming at them like a pack of dogs. And Jesus, silent. And then Herod and the soldiers decide they're just going to, let's start mocking him. And they put an elegant robe on Jesus, Luke tells us. They you know, I mean, Herod knows he's the king, right? So, but let's, let's pretend Jesus is the king, and let's mock him. And they ridicule, and they make fun of him, and they put him down, no doubt, and all kinds of things, and Jesus stays silent. You know why that's gentle? Because Herod is being a total punk. He's got the God of the universe standing in front of him as a human. All Jesus had to do, one word and a lightning bolt makes Herod toast. You don't, you, don't think, you don't think that wasn't tempting? I'm thinking if I was Jesus, it'd be more than a lightning bolt. It'd be pretty grand. I'd be really showing off my power at about that point. 
I'm talking, I mean, a lightning bolt, earthquake, a few fireballs. You know, I mean, we're just going to, you know, make Herod toast, bring him back, toast him, bring him back, toast him. Like, I'm just going to, right? I mean, I'm going to write. Whew, you betcha. I'm going to do everything I can. And Jesus, nope. Jesus withheld. He reigned in his force in order to make room for Herod to exercise his free will. And why would Jesus do that? Well, because Jesus trusted in God's process, in the Father's plan. And he knew there was something bigger going on here than just Herod's little party. Jesus was exercising what he taught us. He taught us to not cast your pearls before swine. Yeah, that's calling people pigs. That's what that's calling. Casting your pearls before swine means, means why, do not give the wisdom that you have to someone who doesn't really want it. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't produce anything. It doesn't help, right? So Jesus exercises that. Herod wasn't interested in wisdom. Herod wasn't interested in, like, falling on his knees and saying, Oh, Jesus, what must I do to be saved? Herod wasn't there. Herod is just using this as an opportunity to mock and to prove himself and to make himself look big and hot in front of his friends. That's all Herod was doing. And Jesus was not going to play into his hands. And then the next morning, Jesus allowed himself to be pinned to a cross. You do realize that he allowed himself to to be pinned there, right? That was his permission. We didn't put Jesus on the cross. We just swung the hammer. Jesus allowed himself to be put on the cross. Why? Gentleness. That was gentleness. You don't think he couldn't in that moment call down 10,000 angels and get him out of that tough spot? You don't think that was right? I mean, come on. Jesus permitted himself to be hung on a cross. Why? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus knew you and I would be here 2,000 years later as a result of his willingness to allow that to happen. Gentleness recognizes that God's got a process and God's got a plan and he's at work. He's working it. And if I exercise my free will right now to win this argument, I could actually, right? I hold back my force in order to allow for the free will of others. And it's life-changing. It's life-changing. One more Bible verse, and then I'll wrap it up. First. Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. This is really our, um, our uh, marching orders, I guess, if you will. And Peter says this, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Always be prepared to give an answer. Be ready, right? But how do we give the answer? 
with gentleness and respect. I don't give the answer to prove my point or to win this argument. I give the answer with gentleness and respect. We've all encountered that person who who talks and 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 talks until they completely wear you down. And then you've been there and then you just give in because you're tired of them talking, right? And then you say, oh yes, I agree, but you really don't agree. You're just agreeing in order to get out of it because you're done, right? There's people, that's not gentle. But then, have you ever encountered a person who just with a few well-spoken questions expose what you're thinking. They expose your soul. And, and then you, they leave you. The conversation ends. And you're thinking about that conversation for days. Have you ever experienced that person? And without feeling judged, without feeling at all put down, you're just left thinking, evaluating maybe even changing what you were thinking before because their question was so pointed, right? That's gentle. Gentleness is completely other-centered. I'm not here in order to tell you all about me and my wonderfulness, and I'm not here in order to prove how smart I am to you. I'm here in order to minister to you, right? Gentle is the teacher who could uh, prove how much they know, because obviously the teacher knows more than the students. That's why you're the teacher, right? But the teacher could prove how smart they are to the student, but instead doesn't. In order to bring the student along to their own discovery, right? That's gentle. Gentle is the parent who could say, hey, because I said so, but chooses to not play that card in order to engage the child in the process and developing so that they can come to their own conviction about something, right? It takes a lot more time to be gentle, doesn't it? I can force conformity like that if I just yell loud enough. It takes a lot of time and patience to be gentle in working with someone. Gentle Gentle is the person who is at the top of the food chain at work, and instead of using that to promote themselves, they use that to promote others into positions of authority. That's gentle. You follow? See the picture of gentle? Gentle is completely centered on what God is doing in the other person. Gentleness respects the process that God is at work in another person's life, and steps into that process, partners with it, but doesn't manipulate it, right? Gentleness. It's a tough concept, and I don't know that I'm really adequately explaining it, to be truthful. I look at your blank stares, and I'm thinking maybe I'm missing something. Gentleness. The world needs more of it. So here's my challenge to you, and I'm just going to end with this. So my challenge is this. You know how a couple of weeks ago we talked about the difference between trying and training, right? Trying is when I see something that I, wanna, I want and I, and I try hard enough to make it happen. 
training is when I take what I've already been given and I develop it. Look it. If you are a child of God and you have been saved by Jesus Christ, then you have the fruit of the Spirit. These are the, this is the quality of Jesus. Jesus lives within you. You do have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. You are gentle. So now, take the gentleness that has been placed within you, it's the gentleness of Jesus, and develop it. Train it. How do I train it? I got an idea for you. Here's my idea. This week, I challenge you to have at least one conversation where you don't say anything about yourself in that conversation, where you don't use anything in the conversation to make any point about you, right? Oh, well, they start talking about their kids. Well, let me tell you about mine. They start talking about how hard their job is. Oh, let me tell you about how hard my job is. Right? No, 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 no. Stay completely focused on the other person. 100% locked in on what God is doing in their life. Don't use it as a chance to say anything about yourself. You following that challenge? How, how hard do you think that'd be? Yeah. Can I tell you, it's really hard for me. See, I just made it about me. Isn't that great? So, you see how hard it is? It's, it's really difficult. You understand, that's the way of Jesus. I mean, Jesus has this incredible ability to engage in a conversation with someone and then, and then to make it about that person. <laughs> you can love that person by asking them questions. Really, why do you believe that? How did you come to that belief? What is that belief? How does that fit with the rest of your life? How did you get here? And then how did you get here? And why did that, right? Just ask questions to draw them out. I found that the most powerful tool that I have in sharing Jesus with others is that, is asking questions. Do I have 1,600 Bible verses that I could hit somebody over the head with at McDonald's? Absolutely I could. But the most powerful way to share the gospel with someone is simply to ask them questions about how they got to where they are about how they've come to believe what they've come to believe. Just asking them questions. It's amazing. And that, my friend, is the way of gentleness. Well, what if they say something that's dumb, that you disagree with, that you think is crazy? They probably will. So then you ask them, well, why did you come to that conclusion? Pretend that you're the interviewer. And you're just interviewing that person. And you're just trying to get what they're thinking out onto the table. And you know what happens a lot of times? If they get what they're thinking out onto the table, sometimes when they say it, they realize how ridiculous it is. (laughs) And you didn't have to say a thing, right? All you did was ask questions. That's the way of gentleness. Does that make sense? So there's your challenge this week. Just one conversation where it's not about you at all. It's completely about them. Should you choose to accept your mission, go for it. Let me, uh, let me pray for us, okay? Father, wow. Okay, Jesus, 
what you did, I just find to be amazing. Because Jesus, if I was you, I would have fried Herod on the spot. But you didn't. I'm amazed by that, Lord. I'm just amazed by that. And I would ask Jesus that you would give me the same kind of ability to even when people are mistreating me, even when people are saying things that I disagree with, even when people are being punks, God, that I could still respond with gentleness. So, Lord, would you please form this in us, I pray. Please, God, because we look around and we definitely see a need for more gentleness in our world. So I ask God that you would mark us with that and do what you need to do in us, I pray. So we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.